Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including special guest William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also visit with Ryan Young. He is a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Uh, Our former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us, as well as Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Uh, We'll be talking to him about his latest Newsmax column, Key Reasons 24 Advantages Strongly Favor the GOP. <clears throat> it is July the 28th, and on this day in 1968, excuse me, 1868, following its ratification by the necessary three-quarters of the United States, the 14th Amendment granting citizens to all persons, citizenship to all persons born or naturalized in the United States, including formerly enslaved people, was officially adopted in the U.S. Constitution. Secretary of State William Seward uh, issued the proclamation certifying the agreement and the amendment. Two years after the Civil War, the Reconstruction Acts of 1867 divided the South into five military districts where new state governments based on universal manhood suffrage would be established. Thus began the period known as Radical Reconstruction, which saw the 14th Amendment, which had been passed by Congress in 1866, ratified in July of 1868. The amendment resolves pre-Civil War questions of African-American citizenship citizenship by stating that all persons born or naturalized in the United States are citizens of the United States and of the state in which they reside. The amendment then reaffirmed uh, the privileges granted to all citizens and granted that all citizens uh, the equal protection of the laws. In the decades after its adoption, the Equal Protection Clause was cited by numerous and a number of African-American activists who argued that racial segregation denied then the equal opportunity of the law. <clears throat> However, in 1896, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Plessy v. Ferguson that states could constitutionally provide segregated facilities for African Americans so long as they were equal to the afforded uh, to the white people. The Plessy v. Ferguson a decision, which announced the federal toleration of the so-called separate but equal doctrine, was eventually used to justify segregating all public facilities, including railroad cars, restaurants, buses, hospitals, and schools. However, colored facilities were never equal to those of white counterparts, and African Americans suffered through decades of debilitating discrimination in the South and elsewhere. In 1954, Plessy v. Ferguson was finally struck down by the Supreme Court in the ruling of Brown v. Board of Education in Topeka, and uh, that uh, got rid of racial segregation. It's kind of an interesting journey that we've taken, but uh, the 14th Amendment is so important to equal justice under the law. Well, Randy Meisner, who's the founding member of the Eagles and Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, died at age 77. So sad. I just really enjoyed the Eagles and their music, and he left quite a legacy of terrific music. And he is, of course, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Randy Meisner, dead at 77. 
Biden keeps saying he's lowered gas prices. He's right that they've fallen from the peak of $5 a gallon in his financially disastrous first 18 months of office, but they just rose this week to a still higher price of $3.69 a gallon, which compares to $2.39 a gallon when Trump left office. So the average driver is paying roughly a $20 Biden tax per fill-up. And, you know, I would suggest that uh, some of this alternative energy and the things that are costing so much more in terms of energy, it really is that. It's a tax that it's put on everybody. It's a regressive tax, regressive tax. And that, of course, it hits the poor and the less for- fortunate the hardest. And, Joe, it's not just for millionaires who are paying this tax. <clears throat> Well, congratulations to South Africa's electricity minister, Ramoka Gopa, for his uh, courage in breaking ranks with his own government and almost all the intellectual elites from around the world on climate change craziness. He stated that the new climate change agreement with wealthy countries will be a disaster for his country, causing power blackouts and energy shortages. He denounced Western attempts to turn South Africa into a guinea pig for worldwide Green New Deal's uh, Minister Ramakopa uh, said that the $8.5 billion agreement to limit South Africa's fossil fuel will uh, force him to close needed coal-fired plants and try to convert them to uncertain renewable energy. He added that the recent shutdown of the uh, Komati nuclear plant was a mistake. We closed a power station that was the best-performing power station at, its to- at the time. We closed it, and because someone gave us money and said decarbonize, We're getting 217 megawatts of alternative energy and removed 1,000 megawatts. Can you imagine that? Climate change fanatics in Europe and in Biden administration are shamelessly bribing governments in poor nations to endanger their energy sectors, impoverishing their own people, and actually discouraging economic growth they so desperately need. So let me ask you, do you think this is climate justice? I certainly don't. And it's based on a flawed idea, flawed science, that somehow carbon dioxide is our enemy. It's actually our friend. It's the basis of photosynthesis, for crying out loud. It's so crazy. And uh, I can only hope that somebody in our government will speak out and begin raising these questions in such a way that it makes everybody question. We need some leadership around this. We we'll just go along to get along. And, it's, and of course, Biden is leading uh, that whole process. Our per capita person emissions are lower today than any time in the last 60 years and lower than during World War I when the economy was less than one-tenth as large as it is, as it is today. Few, if any, developed countries can claim productivity achievement, yet John Kerry says we are the global, uh, global villain that he has to, we have to bear all costs of cleaning up and slowing our economy to pay for our sins. This brings uh, new meaning to the term, blame America first. John Kerry, he's not an elected official. Uh, he's, he's a rogue agent out there roaming around creating all kinds of problems. He's, he bloviates. Somehow, we should just defund John Kerry, get the the Congress to do that, and get him out of our public lives. The Department of Justice admitted during Wednesday's hearing there's no precedent for the aspect of Hunter Biden's pretrial deal that prevented prosecution for crimes unrelated to the case, according to the transcript. The deal, which the judge declined to accept Wednesday, involved two documents, a plea deal for two misdemeanor tax charges and a diversion agreement, allowing him to avoid jail time for a felony gun charge. 
The provision in question by the judge was paragraph 15 of the diversion agreement, which affirmed that the United States would not prosecute Hunter Biden for any crime encompassed by the attached statement of facts in the diversion agreement or plea deal, according to the written deal obtained by Politico. Under Judge uh, Noriega's uh, uh, questioning, the Department of Justice prosecutor Leo Wise confirmed he was not aware of precedent for any agreement that allows not to prosecute future crimes unrelated to the case or diverted charges, according to the hearing transcript. Moreover, the judge saw from the beginning that the deal was unusual, noted that there are some provisions in those agreements that are not standard and are different from what I normally see, she said. So you have, to, have you ever seen, I think I just asked you this, but have you ever seen a diversion agreement where the agreement not to prosecute is so broad that it encompasses crimes in a different case, the judge said. No, Wise replied, and I would say, Your Honor, I don't think it is broad in the sense that, and she said, we're not going to talk, we're going to talk about that. You can sit down, <laughs> the judge interjected. It's her court. Moreover, at, at a point, Wise affirmed that this is an ongoing investigation into Hunter Biden. He answered yes when the judge asked whether he, the government could bring a charge under the Foreign Agents Registration Act, uh, or FARA. Under FARA, Hunter Biden could require, be required to register as a foreign agent for his business dealings in Ukraine and China. Additionally, CCP-linked uh, CEFP China Energy paid around $5 million to businesses linked to Hunter Biden in 2017, according to the Senate report, in transactions that Republicans have alleged were the support, purpose of influence peddling. And according to the agreement, in 2017, Hunter Biden just under $1 million from a, he took just under $1 million he, uh, from a company he formed with the CEO of a Chinese business conglomerate. $666,666 from his domestic business interests, approximately $664,000 from a Chinese infrastructure investment company, and the list goes on. So corrupt. And again, this agreement that they tried to push through was so bogus, they tried to hide in paragraph 15 of an adjoining document that Hunter Biden couldn't be prosecuted for any crimes in the past or in the future. His legal team experienced frustration and disappointment on Wednesday evening as a plea deal aimed at keeping the president's son out of the prison fell apart during the tumultuous three-hour hearing. <clears throat> the significance? The judge, a dismissal of Biden's plea deal related to tax charges, guarantees that uh, legal matters will persistently loom over Biden, particularly as Republican lawmakers on Capitol Hill intensify their scrutiny of him and his father. Moreover, Wednesday's hearing exposed a disconnect between Biden's attorneys and prosecutors regarding the conditions of the plea deal and even subtle divisions among those supporting Biden. So as a diversion effort, uh, yesterday federal prosecutors filed three new charges against Trump for his handling of classified documents. Last month, the former president pleaded not guilty to 37 criminal charges of the case. Now he's facing new counts of obstruction of justice and willful retention. Prosecutors accused the 45 of these uh, wanting to delete security camera footage and sharing a classified war plan with people who didn't have the right clearance. Mar-a-Lago uh, worker has been a janitor has been added as a defendant in the indictment for allegedly wanting to help Trump destroy the footage. Trump's reps called the charges a flailing attempt to harass the former president. His trial is set for May 2024. 
They talk about dual system of justice. Can you imagine just the juxtaposition of what they're trying to do to Trump uh, versus uh, Hunter Biden? It's just unbelievable. Somehow, some way, we need to get new leadership in there that can clean the house and get rid of the deep state. Uh, the uncontrolled Department of Justice now has been weaponized along with the FBI and uh, creates no justice at all. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences, and you can find out more and get tickets. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. 
Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Ryan Young. He's a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Right now, we have with us William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. Uh, we're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend <laughs> Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. A very important mission. And needless to say, that leads to, it ripples down into policy changes within our uh, constitution and government. So uh, just very important work. Pacificlegal.org is the website. So William, uh, lots to talk about today. I guess I'd like to start off by finding about your thoughts on the Hunter uh, Biden plea deal that fell apart. Pretty amazing. Kimmy, you can tell us about it. What a debacle. Um, so this three-hour hearing, I guess two days ago, um, before Judge Narika, in which this plea deal fell apart. Um, remarkable. So it, it, going into this thing, going into the hearing, um, as publicly reported, this plea deal was supposed to entail uh, probation for two, cha- uh, two cha- uh, tax charges um, and then a deferred prosecution for gun charges. Now, when the public actually got to look at the contents of the deal, and indeed when the judge got to look at the contents of the deal, it turns out that the two sides try to tuck in a sweeping immunity right. um, from all sorts of prosecutions uh, flowing from the tax charges um, within this deferred prosecution agreement for the gun charges. I, I don't want to get too into the weeds here, um, but this caught the judge off guard. Um, and, and she questioned both sides about the, the nature of this sweeping or how sweeping this uh, immunity concession was. Um, and there was disagreement. I mean, it, it was remarkable. Uh, you know, again, this is not how these things typically work. I mean, yeah. you know, typically the, the sides come in and, and there's there's no secrets um, within the plea deal. Um, and the, the judge approved it and everyone goes on their way. So this was remarkable. Um, it is the, the as a result of the judge's questions, indeed, the, the agreement dissolved somewhat. Um, now, as a result of that, Hunter Biden pleads not guilty before the judge, and in essence, the two sides are going to go back to the drawing board. Um, but it was, it, we, we, I guess, news is, is still trickling out. Um, as to, I, mean, I read something on Axios this morning where the Biden team is uh, uh, dejected and, and outraged. Right. Um, and they think politics are at play, which is, of course, remarkable. I mean, perhaps the pot calling the kettle black. Um, but this is something to keep an eye on, and it, it does, you know, we've something we touched upon on prior Fridays, um, everything about this investigation seems to be unusual. Um, and it all, the, all these unusual happenstances all seem to tilt one way mm. towards, uh, you know, either protecting um, the president or going lenient on the president's son. So it, it is uh, disconcertingly in line with, uh, you know, this politicization, if you will, of the Justice Department that we've discussed in past Fridays, and really is a legal matter, just remarkable. I yeah. mean, this sort of thing is rare, that a three-hour hearing would cause a high-profile plea deal um, to fall apart. Yeah, and uh, the one thing here, uh, William, is that uh, a little bit of chicanery on the part of white shoe lawyers when, in first of all, calling the night before to say, yeah, you know, that stuff you received from us, and they're pretending to be uh, representing congressmen. Uh, just ignore that, and <laughs> you don't need to pay attention to that. <laughs> that. To me, is just incredible. And then it looks to me like they're trying to hide 
the uh, immunity from prosecution of other crimes in the in a, Article 15, I guess, or Paragraph 15 of the uh, second document. It's just, to me, just behavior unbecoming to a legal, uh, to somebody representing somebody in court. To, to both, I hear, hear. I mean, again, that first uh, happenstance you alluded to, whereby the judge at the outset of the hearing um, questioned, you know, according to the judge's clerk, uh, the defense lawyer had called uh, the court under false pretenses in, in an effort to try to get a, a brief that had been submitted by congressional lawmakers stricken from the record. Um, that's outrageous stuff. So as you said, this is a white shoe firm. So that that would occur and then the plea deal would, would fall apart because the two sides evidently didn't agree on its scope. Um, it is quite remarkable, um, sort of across the board. So, I mean, to me, she's uh, been, uh, the, gu- the uh, judge has been guilty of doing her homework <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and pre- being prepared for it. And uh, she, apparently she hadn't even, when she uh, sat down and talked with the attorney, she hadn't even read the materials that had been sent to her uh, from Congress. So that could weigh in, too. Do you think there's going to be some sort of a renewed or uh, redeveloped uh, settlement or, or agreement? Or do you think this is going to go to trial? I would find it highly <clears throat> unlikely that this would go to trial. Um, and again, the, the judge, in essence, gave the parties, uh, uh, directed the parties to, to go back to the negotiating table. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, what I expect would occur, um, although it's a fool's errand to prognosticate these sorts of things, uh, is that the two sides will clarify the, the extent of the immunity provision that they've tucked into this diversion agreement. Um, I would also expect them to uh, uh, there was some subtle, nuanced legalese. In essence, the, the diversion agreement doesn't require the approval of the judge, and that's why they tucked the immunity provision in there. However, in another highly unusual uh, uh, use of this plea deal, uh, despite the fact that the immunity provision was tucked into this diversion agreement that does not require the judge's participation, they included uh, 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 restrictions that Biden must abide. Yeah. And were he to violate these restrictions, it would then pull in the judge to oversee any subsequent punishment. So this sort of mixing of, of getting a rubber stamp from the judge, but nonetheless involving the judge, that incur- that piqued her interest. Um, so, yes, that would be the sort of issue, the sort of the, the exact detail or exact nature of the government's involvement, the exact nature of, of the asserted immunity. Um, these would be the sorts of things that would be worked out or hashed out at the negotiating table. Yeah, kind of interesting. Hunter walked into the court, I'm guessing, thinking, after this, I'm going to be free, free at last, no more legal problems. And he walked out, uh, he's going to have to have, be in probation, going to have to have no alcohol, no drugs, illicit drugs at all. Uh, could end up going to jail if he violates and so forth. I mean, all of his legal problems, in a sense, are in front of them, not behind him. What a difference a day makes. Yeah, what a difference. So before I let you go, uh, any comments at all what's happening on the House appropriations? Indeed. So this is the hard work. We've alluded to this before. They won uh, The House GOP won some excellent concessions in its debt ceiling negotiations with the president. But now the hard work begins passing these 12 appropriations measures. Um, the good news is uh, this week they passed the first of the 12. The bad news is they punted on the the second uh, of the appropriate bill that had been due for a vote yesterday afternoon. That's the Agriculture and FDA, Federal Mm. uh, Food and Drug Administration funding. Um, This is setting up to be one heck of a September. They have till September 30th 
to pass the 11 other appropriations bills if they are to follow through, as I hope they do, um, on their commitment to return, for Congress to return to the appropriations process um, instead of these, these omnibus measures that have dominated appropriations spending for the last 20-odd years. Um, so uh, one down, 11 to go, um, and it, uh, God willing, they'll stick to their word, um, but it's going to be a hard September. So interesting. William Aitman, again, a senior legal fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation. The website is pacificlegal.org. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Thank you, William. All right, coming up, Ryan Young. He is the uh, 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 senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratuscale Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. You're a valued professional RN. There's a path that takes you to the next level. Hodges University offers an RN to BSN program that, like you, is way above average. RNs with a BSN have a faster track to pursuing leadership positions and can see faster hourly rate increases than those with an ASN. You can earn your BSN with Hodges in just one year. Classes are online and start in August. Scholarships are available. Become the next level nursing professional. Do more. Earn more. Be more. Visit Hodges.edu today. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Ryan Young. He is a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. Happy to be here. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Tell us about the Competitive Enterprise Institute. We're a think tank based in D.C., and we cover all issues regarding regulation, whether it's finance or the economy, um, energy and environment. If it's regulation, we cover it, and our website is CEI.org. I tell you, the Biden administration is coming out with regulations faster than you can read them. So it's just incredible. Well, let's start. Let's start with inflation. We got the, the Fed increase the uh, uh, interest rate by a one quarter of a percent, and yet uh, we uh, afterwards we saw some really surprising uh, uh, results uh, in terms of the economy. I was hoping you could comment. 
Yeah, um, it's good news all around. I think the Fed did the right thing, and it turns out that the economy is actually able to withstand what they're doing. Um, the most important thing we can do right now is get inflation back down. That's why the Fed's raising interest rates. They've been doing that for the last year and change. Um, and everyone, including myself, has been worried that this would come with some kind of trade-off, an economic slowdown of some kind. When you raise interest rates, of course, things do tend to slow down. It fights inflation, but there are other costs. The economy, it turns out, is holding up to that very well, um, much better than people thought. Unemployment still below 4%. We got new numbers out this week that the economy is growing at an overall rate of 2.4%. There are a few caveats in there, but overall, the news is very good, and that means that since inflation is still higher than it should be, when the Fed meets again in September, they should and probably will raise rates yet again, and hopefully uh, maybe by the end of the year we'll have inflation licked finally. Yeah, a couple of thoughts. Apparently, the annual inflation rate rose uh, 3% uh, rather than the uh, – in other words, it's down, the smallest year-over-year increase since March of 2021 – so uh, it looks like uh, the mission is being accomplished. It's not quite that good under the surface. Um, for context, the Fed's target is 2%. Things got as bad as 9%, almost yeah. five times as high. Um, and the headline number that we just saw a week or two ago was 3%, but it's actually a lot closer to 5%. Uh, a lot of what happened was there was a seasonal decrease in energy prices. And the inflation we're concerned about is all about the money supply. The Fed printed a bunch of money. That's why we got the inflation in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, they've got that under control. They're raising interest rates in order to slow that down further, but that's still in process. And CPI doesn't capture that when it comes to things like food and energy that go up and down for supply and demand reasons, not for money reasons. So as far as the Fed's concerned, inflation is still closer to 5%, which is why they're still being aggressive with interest rates. So interesting. I, uh, apparently, uh, uh, the com uh, Committee to uh, Unleash Prosperity, it's, I would get the newsletter, and they cited the fact that uh, employment is good, but apparently the largest employer, the fastest growing employer, is government. Any comments? Yeah. Um, small business is growing at a healthy clip, but a lot of new jobs are, in fact, public sector. Um, and that actually ties into what's going on with the GDP. Again, the news is good, but when you dive into what's going on, a lot of the jobs are uh, are going to um, construction projects, factory construction projects, which is usually a good thing. But in this case, we're thinking that a lot of those, uh, those, those new projects that are boosting GDP are due to things from the CHIPS Act or due to subsidies, you know, a billion-dollar factory for Tesla that's not going to produce anything, the Lordstown factory um, for General Motors. Um, the more projects we have like that, even if they boost GDP right now this quarter, those investments are not going to pay off in the future, and they're going to hurt future growth. Uh, so interesting. That, so that's something we have to watch out for. Today's news is good, but it's not all good. It's a little better than it really seems. So looking forward, Ryan, you're thinking that uh, there could be another interest rate hike uh, before this all calms down. Yeah, I do think they have at least one more increase in them. Um, until recently, the federal funds rate has actually been close to zero. So we're seeing that the true inflation rate is close to 5%. So is that interest rate that the Fed manipulates, the federal funds rate. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want that to be close to zero. In fact, one of the problems that we've had is that that rate has been below zero in real terms. Mm -hmm. um, bad incentives happen, bad things happen when that's the case. 
it just now in the last couple of months finally got above zero, but the Fed still has some more work to do both to fight inflation and to have realistic interest rates because a lot of other interest rates set themselves in proportion to what the rate the Fed sets is. And, you know, that's when you have interest rates too low, that's where you get all kinds of aggressive risk chasers like Silicon Valley Bank taking bets and losing them with other people's money. And that can hurt the economy just as much. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that, Ryan. I, I want to uh, just ask you about carbon tariffs. Beginning to read, read about carbon tariffs, apparently uh, Canada wants to begin imposing. And I was wondering if you could help us understand what they are and what your thoughts might be about their effectiveness. Yeah, that's going to be a hot issue going forward. In fact, it looks like Congress is going to start considering a bill as soon as this fall. Mm. Um, a carbon tariff is basically a way for uh, for us to, it, in practice, it's just going to be economic protectionism, same as the Trump and Biden tariffs, but these have environmental cover to them, um, saying where if another country's uh, regulations don't meet our environmental standards, then we're going to charge a tariff on their steel or whatever other products that they have that don't meet our standards. Um, in pre in the idea is that that'll get countries around the world to improve their environmental standards. In practice, it's just going to be countries fighting each other to, you know, just to get their own advantage and game the system. Um, so nice idea, but in practice, it's going to be a disaster. Europe has already implemented their first carbon border adjustment, as they call it. We're considering ours. Canada is considering ours. So that's, that's going to be something we're going to be very active on in the next few months. Yeah, and uh, I read also that apparently our rate of carbon dioxide emissions is lower than it was in World War One, when the economy was one-tenth the size that it is today. It just seems to me that if we had something like that, we'd be the benefactor. It wouldn't cost us much. Yeah, I mean, I'm on board with the goal. It's just a lousy way to do it. And, you know, that lower emissions than, than World War One. that is per person. Ah. There are a lot more people now, so the total emissions obviously are higher because population's higher. But yeah, it's amazing. You compare our standard of living to the way it was a hundred years ago, and it's not even close. And yet we have fewer emissions per person. Um, the way we do that is through experimentation and innovation and trial and error. And policies like a carbon tariff or top-down regulations, you can't just command that from above. That's not how innovation happens, and that's not how we're going to cut carbon emissions. There are better ways, and it's more of a bottom-up, market-oriented process than something that politicians can impose from above. So watch out for carbon tariffs as one way to do that. You know, it seems that we've institutionalized uh, climate change, and uh, now everybody is, quote-unquote, believing that uh, carbon dioxide is a, is our villain is a villain i mean to me it's <clears throat> the basis of photosynthesis i think what we need is more trees <laughs> rather than the nonsense that we're going through right now i just don't understand how we can buy into this when the science is unproven yeah that's a tough question i mean <clears throat> humans are impacting the climate there will be costs there will be benefits um the trouble is what's the public policy response to it that's where the debate is and that just gets lost in all, I mean, frankly, the temperatures that are rising the most are, are people's ideological temperatures, and that's really harming any possible response to what's going on. And that is, that is not healthy, and that's how we get policies like carbon tariffs that'll do far more harm than help. Ryan Young, again, senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. I hope you check out the website. Is it CEI.org? CEI.org. CEI, a uh, very robust and very helpful website, CEI.org. <clears throat> Ryan, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Gain the skills you want so you'll be in demand by employers. That's what Hodges University's Workforce Readiness is all about. Choose your specialty from EV technician, automation, robotics, real estate, insurance, and electronics to programming boot camps, supply chain management, and more. These classes are online, affordable, and focused on what you need to know. Learn more today by visiting Hodges.edu and clicking on Workforce Readiness. Because with Hodges University, you'll stay near and go far. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislatures. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now, we have with us the former mayor of Naples, uh, maybe the greatest mayor ever in the United States, Bill oh, Barnett. <laughs> Bill Barnett, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, it's my pleasure as as always. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was um, uh, going to tell you a little since we always talk a little uh, little Naples uh, gossip. Um, the they're down to nineteen. Uh, you know, we're looking for a new police chief. And they had uh, well over uh, well over a hundred uh, applicants, and um, they're down to nineteen now. And um, uh, from in-house, there's still a few in-house that are on the list. Ah, which is great. Well, who wouldn't uh, want to be the police chief in, in Naples, Florida? I mean, it's a, I think just a plum. Well, it's a wonderful place to be, first of all. And then, it, of course, right. the respect for law and order is just terrific down here. So you have a great base. Not a lot of problems to fix, I don't think. Right, exactly. And, and you know, <clears throat> Bob, I, I would really like to see, um, I would definitely, definitely like to see um, us get someone from in-house. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but I'll, here's the key. key is that a friend of mine told me that of the applicants, Okay, 
a lot of them are out of New York. Hmm. Which is which to me tells me one thing. It's number one. It's not a bad thing, okay? Because there's a lot of lieutenants and captains and guys have been on the job for many many years up there. You know they want to get out of New York City. Yeah. Um, and uh, so there there might be some. I'm sure they have some very very good choice candidates. I'm still going to tell you that I would like to uh, <clears throat> still see it come from in house. So you know we'll. Cool. Well, well, what that uh, means to me is is that you you believe we have some very good candidates here in uh, in Naples. Yes, yes, I do, I definitely do. So, um, we, you know, with that being said, I think they want to have it done by August, is my understanding, and uh, that's the city managers and a committee um, are. Um, are in charge of that, so I'll keep you in the loop on that. Well, thank you, Bill. Uh, does the city council have to approve the candidate? No, I, I don't believe that they do, Bob. I, I don't think that that comes under their uh, uh, responsibility. So um, uh, I think that's that's why the city manager is the city manager and has a, a very good committee for him to do the uh, final interviews and, and make the decision. So, uh, just, council council doesn't get involved in the fire or any other departments. You know what I mean as far yeah, as hiring. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Bill, uh, any updates with regard to candidates for city council and the mayor? No, everything is. You know, Bob, there's uh, there's 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 smoke. Okay, uh-huh. but uh, no fire yet. I think that you're gonna we're gonna wait till the you're gonna have to we're gonna wait till September. That's my guess. It's going to be pretty much toward the end of September when all of a sudden you'll see uh, you're going to see them uh, breaking out at the gate. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Well, uh, and and Gary Price, no word from Gary yet whether he's going to run for mayor. Uh, well, you know, um, he's he's talking about it, and as I say, uh, um, who knows? We'll we'll find out. I think everybody's kind of feeling the water. You know what I mean? I do, I do, Bill. <laughs> so, any other good scoop in Naples? So that's about it. Other than that, it's pretty quiet. Uh, I noticed some of the restaurants are still very busy. Yeah. Um, we, 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 were, we were kind of surprised. We went out the other night and said, oh, we can get in there. No problem. And the place was packed. We, we luckily, we, we did get a table. But um, there's still some people around, or at least the locals are going out and eating. You know, we went to a, a golf, after playing golf yesterday, we were at lunch. The place was packed. You could, there was no table to sit at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that shows you there are people that are definitely hanging around. So, uh, you know, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Well, so, so you're, and I understand you're on your way north. Yep, yep. Uh, and do that and uh, uh, take a little vacay. And, um, but we'll be speaking on Thursdays. Looking forward to it. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples. I genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank Bob, you so much. my pleasure. Have a wonderful weekend. You as well. Thank you so much, Bill. A little early for the weekend, but uh, I guess it's not. This is uh, Friday, so we'll look forward to that as well. By the way, the Department of Justice dropped campaign finance charges against alleged crypto scammer Sam Bankman-Fried, who was accused of misusing customer deposits and who'd made $90 million in campaign contributions to around 300 predominantly left-wing political candidates uh, or action committees. Prosecutors argue the United States mishandled 
the process of extraditing Bankman Freed from the Bahamas, writing a letter stating in keeping with its treaty obligations to the Bahamas, the government does not intend to proceed to trial on the campaign contributions count. Just think about that. Bankman Freed... <clears throat> who's had a net worth of around $26.5 billion at his peak, ranked only behind George Soros in donations to Democrats last year. He also donated to some Republicans through what he described as dark channels. He said in an interview, reporters freak out uh, if you don't donate to Republicans because they're all super liberal. And I didn't, and he's talking about the uh, the. Uh, news reporters being liberal, and I didn't want to have uh, have that fight, so I just made all the Republican donations dark, he said. Uh, Bankman-Fried was the founder and former CEO of cryptocurrency exchange FTX, but resigned last November after the company's collapse, costing customers and lenders billions of dollars. He was subsequently arrested and released after paying a $250 million bond, the largest in American history. He's due to face seven charges in October this year, including accusations that he defrauded customers and lenders to FDX. Now just think about this, forgiving and deciding not to charge him because of our agreement with the Bahamas, a real powerhouse politically around the globe, the Bahamas. But the excuse from the Department of Justice, we're not going to charge him. Uh, because uh, we have this agreement with the Bahamas. Nothing about the fact that most of the donations, almost all the donations, went to liberal candidates, went to uh, Democrat candidates. Again, another example of the dual system of justice here in the United States. Just can't uh, believe it. Well, I can. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Bell. He's endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Professor Larry Bell. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. 
That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. ask yourself why people are the way they are. If you're fascinated by human behavior and you want to make a career of it, you know where you need to start? Hodges University with a bachelor's degree in applied psychology. Your professors are practicing professionals that bring your classes to life with life chat discussions and various projects. You know, having a deeper understanding of what motivates people can lead to careers in counseling, sales, human resources. Your passion can be your career. So get started today. What are you waiting for? Visit Hodges.edu or stop by their campus in Fort Myers. They're at the corner of Colonial and Winkler. Because with Hodges University, you're going to stay near and go far. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Lula B's Diner at the Green Tree Shopping Center serves terrific breakfast and lunch as well. Now they're beginning to serve dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., and the menu is just terrific. Great service, great food, great value, and uh, you don't even need a reservation. Just stop by Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center and enjoy terrific uh, dining uh, in the evening, 4 to 8 p.m. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, and as I mentioned, the author of, uh, I think it's about 12 books, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design is his latest book. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob, and thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, Professor. Yeah, yeah. I'd love, before we get into your latest column, maybe to get your thoughts on the plea deal, what happened yesterday, or was it the day before, I've forgotten, uh, it, with regard to Hunter Biden. Yeah, it's, it's really quite remarkable. I think... Uh, you know, my, my assessment, I've got an article coming out on that this morning hmm. on Newsmax, and uh, I think, I think uh, fascinating situation, and uh, in some sense, in, a, in kind of a good way, the judge in the case, and when it was the case, I think that it's pretty clearly understood that uh, the prosecutors and DOJ and, and the Biden, Hunter Biden lawyers, were really not adversaries at all. They were. It was. It was really a, a, a plea deal, a sweet, a sweetheart deal. Yeah. Where the clear intent was, you know, by, uh, Hunter would plead out on a couple of misdemeanors, get his hand slapped, no, no prison time, and that included uh, gun, you know, falsification of gun charges. It included not not filing as a. Uh, foreign agent included, you know, charges charges about money laundering and tax evasion and so on. Get a couple of jaywalking tickets and walk. and And the thought was that by with the plea deal, the Justice Department and and uh, the Bidens had a wink and nod uh, understanding. Yeah, that that by pleading out. It would close the case on all these other things that were really felonious uh, charges that would get you and me and anyone else we know on the in the slammer, and and so this was this was uh, this was the this was the game, and the judge uh, 
was aware of that. And she asked him in court, well, is this, does this, uh, you know, is, is Hunter still under, under investigation? If he's under investigation for other charges, that would mean that, that, that uh, the misdemeanor charges wouldn't, pleading out on that, wouldn't cancel out felony charges, particularly when you got major house investigations and so on looking into 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 these deals and uh in addition to the tax fraud and using using his uh company to pay for prostitutes in which some of them got got flown in from Los Angeles and and, and at the same time he's stiffing his daughter his his daughter in rural Arkansas, you know, all she goes a lousy painting and 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 so on but the judge said well is he under investigation or not and uh, the doj people under you know wise had to say well yeah he is and the and and hunter's attorneys kind of shook their heads and said well you know we thought not and uh, the judge says well come back when you can figure it out because because I'm not going to rubber stamp this thing. Essentially, that gives Hunter, he, it's not her words, but in a sense it is, that gives him immunity yeah. from, from investigation and prosecution. So I, I think that the, you know, the, the Bidens, with all the dirty stuff that's, that's you know, under the rug, uh, kind of that's going to be coming out, they don't really have, as I can see it, any place to hide right now because uh, they've made this a key issue front and center. And um, particularly now with more and more evidence coming out with so-called whistleblowers and whistleblowers is, 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 a, is a word that sounds exotic, but it's really a matter of, there were 13, 13 uh, very <clears throat> dedicated agents that worked on Hunter's case for five years. Mm-hmm. And then they were, they they were dismissed after recommending felony charges, and all thirteen of them were dismissed. and And they're not just whistleblowers that happen to, to you know to hear some rumors on the street. They're people that worked on this case or intimately involved with the details of the case. Then they're summarily really uh, dismissed when when it was clear that they're from a very long thousand pages report that they prepared that recommended uh, several felony charges against Hunter you know suddenly they got you know they got they got disappeared uh, on the record yeah it stinks it really does stink and you know uh, it made me smile to think that somehow some way we have this judge who's standing up for justice and I was so pleased uh, except the admonitions that she gave the uh, the alert, the attorneys, uh, his defense team, I'm talking about Hunter Biden's as well as the uh, Department of Justice, has go back and come back with a with a, a real settlement, with a real understanding. Now, again, as you pointed out, I mean, we've got the uh, uh, <laughs> the uh, quarterback that's also the official in the same thing. In other words, there's collusion between the Department of Justice and these attorneys. So what are they going to come back with, and will the judge ap- approve it? It's got me concerned. Yeah, it's... Um I was just reflecting this morning on all this, and on one hand, it's easy to take it as a as a gotcha moment in terms of you know those of us who are not big fans of the Bidens and and all the dirty stuff that we see 
but it's, it's more a condemnation of our country. Yeah, that we've allowed that we've allowed this kind of stuff to happen, where the Justice Department has become so corrupted and so politicized and so weaponized and so blatantly so. And and of course, I I see the Wall Street Journal this morning early early and talks about new new indictment charges against Trump and so on. And every time you know there's a major setback on the part of uh, you know the Biden corruption. Uh, they, they come up with new charges or yeah. a new a new shiny object to look at, and I, and I think the I think the public a lot of the public is finally waking up and my God, it's time. It really is, Professor. And I'm uh, you know what the outcome that I'd most prefer is to say you know what uh, this this agreement doesn't make sense. We're going to take this to trial. And I'd love to see uh, you know Hunter walked into the uh, courtroom as I said earlier on the show. He walked into the courtroom thinking my legal problems are over, and he walked out with some sort of an, uh, no agreement, pleading not guilty, and under supervision of his uh, 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 officer, his uh, parole officer, and he can't have drugs and he can't drink alcohol, and you can get down the list. And his life has now become more confined than it was before he walked in the courtroom. I understand this has never been. But Hunter, Hunter's a, a dope addict and a creep and a, uh, a sexual freak and so on. Yeah. yeah, but it's really about the cover-up. It's, it's the injustice of the system. It's about the the Biden cover-ups. You know, the the investigation of Hunter was never allowed to look at the um, any ties to, to Joe Biden, and it's it's really. In a way, uh, Hunter Biden's another shiny object that directs attention away from the the big problem. We've got a we've got a a guy in office, and and uh, and Hunter's the, the the son of the most privileged the most privileged people in the world, who, who's who's clearly corrupt. Yeah, and and now there's there's quote as always unconfirmed rumors from whistleblowers. That they've got offshore bank accounts. Yeah. Now, now uh, that'll be interesting to follow. Uh, I think uh, you know it's one of these again follow the money things, and and it, that will be another saga, and they'll have to come up with another shiny object to deflect away from that. So, it's so, so it, if nothing else, it's interesting. It is so interesting, Professor. I really appreciate your comments on these issues. Again, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, author of Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design, also the author of several other books as well. Some of my favorites are on climate change, by the way. And uh, the column is Newsmax.com. Check out On Point by Larry Bell. On Point in Newsmax.com. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you a lot. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Monday morning, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Larry Reed is the uh, professor, uh, president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many books, uh, will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we get the word out and support our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>